0: Think I'm not afraid of failure because I failed so much. I've never been like a straight A student in school. I've, uh, you know, been reprimanded and gotten in trouble and all that kind of stuff. So, and I've seen my dad uh, go through periods of his life as well with, you know, things that were sometimes out of his control that you know were uh, were setbacks and everything. So I've learned from learned from all of that, and I just don't. I feel like. You know what's the worst that could
1: happen welcome to natural tendencies I'm your host Rick Braden join us as we hear the real issues affecting real people that truly and deeply impact their work performance anxiety depression conflict marital problems trauma grief and loss Right here, right now. Right on! All right, so I'm very excited about today because I'm with another good friend and we have about eight years together and I'm with my friend Deepak. And Deepak completed our success survey the first time in 2011 and this this podcast is going to give the listener uh, hopefully a few things that benefit you one is going to be a deeper understanding of our our primary tool and how it measures 21 key behavioral attributes and within that also gives us a good idea of somebody's core psychology their motivators core motivators and if you understand somebody's core motivators then it's i find it's just a lot easier to sort of relate to them get along with them understand where they're coming from and then and then the strengths and maybe areas that have held them back and many times our strengths can also be our growth areas and our weaknesses because if they're overused or when they're under stress uh, that can just show up in weird ways and we'll probably explore some of that so I'm going to I'm going to demonstrate today a pretty classical way to use the success survey in a coaching session and so what we're going to do first is we're going to look at the areas that I think are clearly Deepak's strengths and there's a lot of them so Deepak has used this assessment pretty much every year since we met sometimes more than once a year but once a year is kind of a gauge of where he's at, what he's going through. He's made some huge transitions, traveled literally all over the world, worked in various positions, various industries. He's truly an international type of person. So I, I think that this is gonna be really interesting to you and it's, I hope it's as interesting to you as it is to, to me. But one of the first things we look at is, is proactivity. And proactivity in the workplace is so important because it's a measure of drive, it's a measure often of pace, work ethic, and self-direction. And interestingly, every single time, Deepak, that you've taken the success survey or the E3, we have operated with different names for this assessment, you score in what I would consider the target ranges for an executive. And now that we've tested probably 575,000 people, I think we have a pretty good markers and enough data points to establish the ranges for an executive. And most of the time, the spot on target is a 75 to 80. And as I'm looking at a screen right now that shows an overlay of several of Deepak's assessments, and every single time he's taken it or you've taken it, Deepak, the ranges have been between 75 and it looks like about 82 so when I see scores that high I tend to think of people who are really self-motivated that have a very strong work ethic and work and accomplishing goals is something that that would be important to you does that resonate with you and can you speak to that a little bit yeah I always need something in my life that's
0: that's driving me to do something a goal short term long term Uh, if I don't have something then I go back in and
1: and figure out you know what my next steps are so would you say that that's a strength of yours is just being self-motivated and like you said setting and achieving goals yeah I would say it is too So, we're gonna stay talking about the strength side of things for several minutes. Then something that has always impressed me with you, Deepak, and you know, almost I just felt a little emotional here because you've been a bit of a role model to me, uh, because I'm looking at your support score now. And support has to do with nurturing, it has to do with caring, and it has to do with really putting others' needs as high as, as we, we place our own. So it's, to me, it's like the heart score. And you're in the 80 to 90th percentile every time you take this assessment. And tell me what supporting others means to you and, and how you see that as a strength. And, and, and I know you're a humble person but some of the ways you demonstrate that at support are what, and if you don't mention them, I'm going to mention them, are things that have just humbled me.
0: Uh, I think support's something that I, I carry from my parents and it's, uh, it's something that they've taught me. Like looking at my dad and, and him being a small business owner, just in the last even few years, uh, you know, uh, somebody in his um, at his store. Uh, her, uh, this employee, her son was an all-American football player um, in high school. Looking at college recruiters coming in, you know, probably getting a full-ride scholarship. Uh, this past July, he was out with some friends, and uh, uh, and Fourth of July, and he blew like half of his hand off. Whoa. And, uh, and you know, it was a pretty big shock to everyone. And, and my dad you know, immediately just kind of went uh, to the hospital, made sure she was OK, gave her uh, his van because all of a sudden her son needed a wheelchair to be able to get inside of a big vehicle and everything else. He gave her the van for like three months, um, gave her as much time off as she needed, gave her you know, financial support. This is at like a 7-Eleven convenience store <laughs> where people are working minimum wage, but um, but he literally just you know said whatever you need, and he and he did that, and I've seen him do that over and over and over again, um, constantly. There's dozens and dozens of examples that I could cite. That's just the most recent. So, whenever I look at uh, you know the team that I work with, and uh, and people that I surround myself with and sometimes I'm in a position where I have some power and responsibility and take that seriously and you know and I realize what an impact small gestures and the kind of
1: uh, camaraderie and culture that I build what that can do. Give me some ideas of small gestures for somebody who might take our assessment in the future (coughs) excuse me and maybe their scores on support are low those things don't come naturally to them. So what are those small things you're talking
0: about? When a person on my team recently, uh, she's very active in um, in different charities and everything, and she was elected to be the president of her uh, of her old charity club. It's the Lions of um, the Lions. I don't know if yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you know that. Yeah, so she became the president of her local chapter, and, um, and her and I were just talking about that, and, and she said, you know, sometimes I might need to, Leave early, you know, on a Friday or something for a fundraiser and uh, and everything else. And uh, you know, I told her that I'm very very supportive of you know her doing that. I know that she's worked for Full Sail for about God, twelve to <coughs> it's going to be over twelve years. I, w- I want to say wow. maybe even fifteen. So I'm like, look, you're you're stellar. you you know your work inside and out. Uh, I'm you know whatever I can do, and then I'm sure everybody at Full Sail at large. Um, including you know my direct supervisor would be more than happy if, if I let you go 30 minutes you know early on Fridays or, or whatever to to go and do that um, you know and that was obviously very important to her and, and something that you know she wanted to talk to me about with before taking on this role but it was something that I just was like you know thanks for letting me know but it's you don't have to ask permission even you know to go and go
1: ahead and do something like that mm-hmm. it will accommodate you well I think that's a good example of what we're talking about it's mm-hmm. you understanding something that matters to another person yeah and first of all there's a curiosity to even find out what matters to somebody else mm-hmm. and then if they have certain simple needs you try to meet them I mean it's really simple isn't it yeah if in you, hindsight yeah yeah but if you yeah in hindsight I think you do that intuitively but it's a great strategy for any manager, anybody in a supervisory role, is to just realize what matters to your people and then just try to meet those needs. Yeah,
0: And I think also the tone in which you say it as well, because I've had conversations like that with, um, with managers that have accommodated my needs, but have always made me feel bad about accommodating those needs. Like, you know, well, wow, you know, we, we're going to have to push this, this, and this. I'm going to do this for you. But God, you, you know, like this is going to be a chore, a big imposition, a big imposition but we're going to do it. And like almost letting you know that, uh, that, you know, we're going above and beyond to kind of do this for you, where um, I try to avoid, you know, making it seem like a chore you and really support and celebrate somebody. Yeah, like I wanted to really support and celebrate someone doing something like that and let them know that it's not a burden on us to do that because you know it really isn't so
1: yeah and it's interesting too because I so we're talking about work ethic as a strength we're talking about the support emotional intelligence nurturance as a strength and now I'm looking at um self-confidence you've always seemed to have a pretty high self-confidence which i also think is a strength how does that manifest i think i'm not afraid of failure because i failed
0: so much i've never been like a straight-a student in school uh you know been reprimanded and gotten in trouble and all that kind of stuff so and i've seen my dad uh, go through periods of his life as well with you know things that were sometimes out of his control that you know were uh, were setbacks and everything. So I've learned from learned from all of that, and I just don't. I feel like you know what's the worst that could happen, and I ask myself that a lot. Well, you know, if I do XYZ, I could be fired, maybe. Okay, well, you know, what happens after that? Well, life goes on, and we'll figure it out. You know, but that's that's okay. You know, to to. To fail and, and everything else. It also allows me to take some more chances, but be I'll be very humble, I think, in terms of uh, helping others. Like, I'd rather go out of my way to accommodate and help and, and support others. And if that makes me, um, you know, run afoul or something at, at work or whatever, then so be it. But that's why I think I work really well within Full Sail, because this is a company that has that culture of supporting others, of you know, mm-hmm. accommodating, and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I think it, it promotes that and it, it rewards people for, for that. I think in another company or in another culture, uh, my thinking or the way that I go about my work day to day might not have gone over so well,
1: probably. Yeah, well, yeah, and, I, and I agree, this is very much, Full State University is a culture that supports one another and their dreams, sort of the, if you're serious about your dream, I'll take your dream seriously. So hopefully that extends to the employment relationships beyond just the student relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're talking about strengths, which when you use this tool, this is the way you would, anybody could approach it. You, you look at the scores that are high or low, and and you talk about the strength side of them, which is exactly what we're doing. So now I'm looking at creativity, which I would say is another strong suit of yours, because again the scores are elevated up there between sixty-five, seventy, or actually the lowest is seventy, and it goes up. to, It looks like even above ninety. So, how does creativity play out as a strength of yours? That that one always
0: surprises me because I don't consider myself creative at all. Really? Like I yeah I don't yeah I don't know where. That comes up well, one of the so high all the time. But. Well, one of the,
1: one of the elements, a lot of times when people think in terms of creativity, they think, well, I'm not an artist or I'm not a musician yeah. or something like that. But creativity really has so much meaning beyond those restricted bounds. So one of the characteristics of creativity is risk-taking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the characteristics is courage because if you're going to do something – that's creative. It, other people might not even have the courage to do that. It also has to do with a wide range of interests,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it also has to do with a sometimes a core dissatisfaction in the status quo and wanting to make things better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think you have all of those traits.
0: Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's one that always surprises me. But I. I think if it uh since I've been working with E3 I do understand, you know, how that kind of comes into play. Uh I've never been afraid to take risks. That's always been pretty consistent.
1: Do you need to take them? From time to time, yeah, I can't be complacent. It's, it's and like, and so what does risk taking provide for you?
0: Uh I think it's uh, excitement, mm-hmm. you know, to to do something I've never done before, uh, and it doesn't—I mean, it doesn't have to be anything crazy—but just to um, to do an, any kind of experience. Like, and uh, when I was uh, in Oregon going to law school, I did stand-up comedy quite a few times just to go and <laughs> <Really>? do it. Really, <laughs> I didn't know Cause, that. Yeah, because uh, you know, law school was so regimented. And every single day, we were doing the same exact thing over and over again. And I think some of my friends just kind of dared me to 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 go up on stage one day and I went and did it and I ended up doing it, you know, for a while while I was out there and then stopped. But that type of stuff just kind of you know, that fuels
1: me to to go and do you remember any of your jokes?
0: Yeah, nothing I could probably say on here that would, that would be appropriate, but yeah. There were I mean I was twenty I was twenty, twenty one years old so you could imagine like what a twenty, twenty
1: one year old would joke about. All right, I'm just gonna imagine it. Yeah. So continuing this conversation on on strengths, we've looked at work ethic, we've looked at support, um, we've looked at creativity, and then something else that jumps at me is this high free spirit.
0: Yeah. And
1: when I think of the highly, I'm actually thinking of Einstein's quote now that the mediocre mind is in violent opposition to the free spirit. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say that the free spirit's in violent opposition to the mediocre mind, it says the mediocre mind is in violent opposition to the free spirit. Mm -hmm. And you're up there in the 80 to 95 bracket on free spirit, which is all about adventure, not being controlled, uh, need for freedom. Yeah. Does that speak to you? Yeah. No, I can't, uh,
0: I'm day to day when I wake up, I'm doing exactly what I wanna do. So I would, say like you know if someone asks me what would you do if you had 10 million dollars tomorrow I'm like well probably the same thing that I'm doing today Um, it would be even if I was going to go do something else it'd be a gradual change Uh, there's nothing in me that says oh if I got 10 million I'd come in and resign tomorrow that's that would actually yeah that would that wouldn't occur to me to to go do that I might go and explore some things and maybe if something comes up I'll do something different but Every day I, co- I wake up, I do what I want to do, I love <coughs> where I'm at and, and what I'm doing, and and I have fun, and I think anyone that's ever worked with me uh, knows that, uh, you know, I come into work with a smile, I'm in a good mood, and and that's pretty much it. I, It's very rare for me to be in a bad mood during work. Um, that's something major is happening in my personal life, but... Um, and I try to carry that and, and and I guess make sure that my staff and everyone else kind of feels the same way, that it's a free uh, atmosphere in terms of being able to talk to one another, share your ideas, your thoughts, even if you're dissatisfied with something. Um, I welcome people coming into my office if they want to vent for a while about what's going on. They're more than free to vent. but uh I can't work or be around a workplace where people are like miserable or they're just not happy
1: yeah Um, I I want to explore the strength side of this of this pattern because the the strong work ethic the strong caring the elevated self-confidence high creativity high free spirit and you talked about not being afraid to fail and There's so much in the literature around either the fear of failure, or even it gets turned around the fear of success. But what I've realized at the core of any fear is an unwillingness to feel certain emotions, whether it be, I don't know, sadness, depression, anger, whatever. But if you're willing to experience painful emotions, like the things you talked about with your dad, there's been circumstances outside of his control that just happened and it resulted in some kind of failure that may have had absolutely nothing to do with him. It could have been industry changes, timing changes, market changes, <clears throat> anything, it could be anything. <clears throat> but if, if we are able to accept that everything constantly changes and nothing's permanent and if we're willing to feel good or bad and just go through it, then I think it gives you the kind of courage to <clears throat> to take risks and to then have the joy of, of having something be truly successful. <clears throat> yeah. So obviously tons of strengths. <clears throat> and now I want to talk about what I would see as a potential growth area, <clears throat> which is also can be a strength. So... I see a self-control score that, at times, dips down to below 10. So let's talk about what self-control means. So people who score lower in self-control, they tend to be a little more charismatic. They tend to be more risk-taking. And the same thing with free spirit and creativity. On the downside, sometimes we can say the things we don't necessarily want to say. We can do the thing that we might regret later and we may have trouble with certain <laughs> boundaries at certain times so have those things ever come back to haunt you or have they ever been a part of i would say these things probably don't happen to you very often but when they do they could be significant yeah i think
0: looking at my uh scores right now the the times that it dips below 20 and, and even into 10 or below 10 or for 2014 and 2016 two years that Uh, I was going through huge changes in 2014 was when I think that was uh, August 2014 was when I was wrapping up uh, my project in Brazil coming back to the US not knowing what was waiting for me here Uh, and then 2016 in April was when I had just resigned from RimCAD and I was kind of just uh, in between projects and and work and everything else and that's where my self-control dipped dipped down a lot and um and i think it was because i was open to basically figuring out what i was going to do and open to doing whatever uh, whatever came at me and then 2016 in particular was one of those times where i had no idea what i was going to do i resigned with no plan from rimcat it was just one day i was like that's this is this is good. This is enough. I'm gonna go in. I'm and done. I'm done. Yeah. No safety net. Zero safety net. I really didn't think
1: about. And you just went for it.
0: Yeah, and and that's you know if and I mean I I gave a good good long notice and everything sure, yeah, Of yeah, course, yeah. Responsibly? but. Yeah, responsibly, but at We're the same time. I've done many times. Yeah, but at the same time, that's that's I mean once you're once I'm not happy and it's that free free spirit and like. If my, uh, uh, if I can't go into, like I want to wake up every morning and do exactly, uh, or feel like I'm doing what I want to do, not that I'm forced into something. That's
1: wild that you've come to a point where you're actually doing that most of the time. Yeah,
0: I actively think about that in the morning and, and, you know, I mean, of course, I'd love to be waking up in the morning and, you know, walking onto my private jet, but realistically. We're not
1: quite there. We're not quite there. (laughs) Yeah. so. So. How has the low self-control ever hurt you? Do you you, have any of that in your awareness or how it could show up in a way that could possibly either hold you back or hold somebody else back or? Yeah, I think there's been,
0: uh, uh, like for example, when, when I did resign from RimCAD, uh, not well thought out whatsoever. Maybe I should have thought it out a little bit more because I spent like three months afterwards. Kind of just sitting at home, like <laughs> going, well, what do I, what do I really want to do, you know? And, and you were probably with a lot of difficult that. feelings during that time. Yeah, but you know, uh, but I think self control or the lack of, uh, it, it hurts. Uh, it's hurt me sometimes, just like I guess anyone else that has an old self control, going out too much, maybe, uh, uh, you know, making. Uh, last minute decisions on vacations or doing whatever, those type of things, you know. But that's also being, being spontaneous. So yeah, I've for, had some of the best times of my life just uh, being it, like, I'm it, gonna pick it, up and go somewhere. Isn't that
1: a double-edged sword? Because so. for me, when, because there have been times where my self-control dips down to the zero range. Wow. And if there was a below zero, um, it would dip down below zero. And it often showed up in either drinking too much or just saying things that were obnoxious pretty much, not really respecting the boundaries of others, and just wanting my own happiness and joy above anything else. Yeah. And after about 15 shots of tequila, that was pretty much the mindset <laughs> I was in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think we have shared a few of those moments.
0: We, we have. and think Think you know? Thank God! I think uh, there, you know, uh, there wasn't uh, any lasting repercussions off of some of
1: those moments and everything. Well, and you know know. why? You know, we we had a couple moments where we were both in difficult places. You were you were going through a loss. Yeah. And and that loss was very unsettling for you. I was coming off of some heavy duty personal losses in my own life. The Two of the people I'd founded the company with, my best friend had died, and I was drinking too much and and a bit unstable, and that created volatility. Yeah, my best friend had died too. Yeah, and, Yeah. and, and, and then we were volatile with each other and chemically induced, and I would say that that was a glaring example of how, when the stresses and pressures of our lives triggered that low self-control, it could have potentially be damaging. And I would say that our support scores probably saved us. Yes, yeah. The, the continuing the relationship, getting through it, letting bygones be bygones, picking right up where we left off. Yeah. And and then both of us made some pretty significant changes. You found yeah. some stability. You went through the grief you went through. I went through the grief I went through. And And there was just no way I was willing to hurt the relationships anymore
0: yeah I think caring for others and also being able to forgive yourself which
1: you know it's key I to be able to move on and actually heal um, we've talked about yeah. the forgiveness on two episodes and I asked somebody if they thought forgiveness was critical to really just being happy productive well balanced personally adjusted do you think forgiveness in general is a key factor to just overall success, whether it be self-forgiveness or forgiveness of others? Yeah, it's got to be. I, I, I feel like... I, do too. I just know, don't think there's any way just, around it. Yeah. Because if we harbor unforgiveness, it eats us alive. And resentment grows like a weed and it poisons our body and we end up suffering immeasurably. Yeah.
0: I think one of the things I'm I'm very maybe proud of myself on is the fact that, you know, no matter what happens or whoever I think wronged me or might have done something to to hold me back or whatever, after about a year or so, I've never held on to a grudge for more than about a year. That's a good long time. Yeah. Though. Yeah, it is. A, <laughs> but so, how I, do you let go of them, man? It just like, because I'm always better than where I was, you know, like I'm better. At, Today than I was last year, and last year I was better than the year before. I always try to make you progress. Give it some perspective, and yeah, it gives me perspective, and and the fact that I actively try to do, you know, do things every day that I want to do. And if I feel like I'm ever in a position where I'm doing things every single day and it feels like it's forced, uh, then I'll go and make that change. But I do know that you know at this point. Uh, Anyone that I've ever felt like might have done anything wrong to me. I don't have anything against them and just wish everyone So how do you
1: let go man? How do you forgive? Is it a decision?
0: Yeah, it's about yourself, right? What you feel about yourself If I feel like am I really the best version of myself right now or getting close to it? I mean you're never the best best version, but you're always getting close then uh, and if you're happy then you have no real, you know, like I'm happy right now and, and I'm, I feel like I'm a way better version of myself than I was even a few years ago or I whatever. I see that too. So then I have nothing against anyone really, you know, whatever they might have done. Uh, most people that hold other people back or are negative forces and bring negative energy, you know, they have to live with that negative energy for the rest of their life unless they really make some deep changes. And if they don't do that, that's their burden, not mine. You know, I
1: don't have to carry their negative energy with me. You know, they've got to do so that. So you believe this idea of forgiveness begins with a decision and a realization. I mean, it's like, hey, this is holding me back. This is creating my own suffering. Yeah. I mean, but I think it just it's, it's a decision that you
0: make for yourself, and it's within you. And, you know, as long as you're happy, then there really is. I mean, what... I try to ask myself like what real what reason is there that I should be bitter or angry or anything else at this person after about a year like is there a reason or is there is there something that's benefiting my life and is the answer almost always no there's it's always no it's always no. yeah there can't be an answer that's not no right like what does it accomplish well nothing if if me getting back at someone or holding on to that was somehow going to you know, have great <laughs> benefit
1: to the world. Yeah, you or might or myself I it. might hold on to it, but <laughs> it, just, it never does. I agree. You know. So the last thing I'm, I'm looking at here is lower criticality, and I, I can't overemphasize how these things that are potential growth areas like low self-control, even high free spirit, they're also huge strengths because like i said when somebody's lower in self-control they can be more charismatic they can take some risks they can put themselves out there they often have a certain courage about them so when i'm coaching people or we're thinking about this tool it's always a question of managing and it's really like a question of calming down or mitigating risk so it's like okay I know that at times that low self-control manifests and not necessarily listening, pay attention to boundaries, maybe getting mixed up in chemicals, any of that kind of stuff. So how do you manage that? How do you manage anything? Well, one way, you've got to talk about it. You've got to talk about it. And you have to have some sorts of plans in place. Like, it's probably not a good idea if I'm committed to not drinking to hang out in bars with rowdy friends. Yeah. Just simple stuff, man. It's not like super complex, is it? No,
0: it's, it, yeah. I mean, in hindsight, it's It's not. It's, you know, once you make that decision and you make life changes, I think it's, it's nice to look back and say, oh, wow, you know, these were kind of very evident or, you know, but things that uh, um, are self-evident now might not have been in the past. So, uh, you know, I, I love to do that. I like to look at myself like two years ago and say, God, what an idiot, because it makes me feel like, wow, how much have I progressed that the stuff that I was doing two years ago, I'm just shaking my head at. You know, it I don't get even, embarrassed by it. It doesn't even seem desirable anymore. I don't get
1: embarrassed by it either. Yeah,
0: it's just, and then the, on the flip side, actually, I, I'm kind of like, you know, feel good that I'm like, oh, you know what, I must have progressed Uh, so much that I can look back at that and say that that was so stupid and
1: yeah I agree and some of our listeners there's things that they just can't shake like they either can't put the drink down they can't stop saying the impulsive thing the low self-control the high free spirit may result in frequently violating boundaries not being taking care of your own body and mind and when you just can't stop doing it is when you really it's so critical to come clean with that and yeah. Get some help, man, because otherwise we all need each other.
0: Yeah, and I, and it's, it's funny because, you know, like, uh, when we look at our past, some people want to relive it or whatever, but, you know, um, or the good memories and all that of our past. But the great thing about time is that you can never go back, right? Like, whatever's happened has happened. You can never go back. So it's uh, that, to me, is pretty awesome because you're – it, you can just let go of it if you want it, and you can begin anew every day. You can bring, yeah, exactly. So if you really wanted to, you just let it go. You know, I, it doesn't doesn't matter.
1: A lot of people don't feel like letting go is a decision, mm. but I tend to think it begins with a decision, and then you kind of work it out. Yeah, you make the necessary changes to get two years down the road to where you are healthier, and you can look back and say there has been progress positive changes have occurred. So as you look at this data, there's a very consistent pattern. And if you saw any growth areas in there, areas that might still be holding you back that you have to continually manage or continually sort of keep in check, I think those would be the things that Carl Jung referred to as like the shadow self, those sides of all of us that can be self-destructive that we may not want to admit to ourselves. But if you have the courage to admit them to yourselves, know that we all have this tendency to do great good to ourselves and others and we also have these seeds or these characteristics that can do harm to ourselves and others all human beings that i've ever met have that sort of two sides to the coin but when you can admit those that shadow side and that it's a part of you and that there are things that that could hold you back there are things that can get you in trouble and you have some sort of plan around managing those that's a win to me yeah that's just like a win so as you look at this and you look at any potential growth areas or things you continually or maybe not continually because it's not a hyper vigilance thing but anything that you just want to keep track of and you want to sort of keep in check what kind of things might appear in that in the data in front of you
0: well i i've been doing this without being even conscious of it but um, actually, I have been conscious of it, but it hasn't been in the in the uh, from the lens of the E3, and it's that low emotional support, which you know, for years I was fairly proud of the fact that I that I didn't need that emotional support and and all of that. I was, you know, I've got high productivity, aggression, networking, uh, and all that kind of stuff that allows me
1: to, you know. Uh, drive myself to go and do whatever I want to yeah, do. Yeah, I didn't even mention networking as one of your strengths, but just the ability to connect with other people, yeah. really comfortable in social situations, another yeah. big strength.
0: But then with that low emotional support, I've I've come to notice that, you know, sometimes I'm a no but uncomfortable reaching out to mentors to for people to support me and yep. and and so on and, and so forth. And it's it and I think in a lot of ways that's like kind of held me back for a while because um, you know, I'm not somebody do it myself. that... myself. I don't need help or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, to realize right. that, okay, well, there's a lot of really amazing and, and great people that I've surrounded myself with and maybe I need to reach out and know a bit
1: more and get guidance
0: from them. That's an awesome
1: point. You know? Yeah. So emotional support, Deepak's commenting on his scores being consistently low. Low emotional support is indicative of exactly that. Somebody who doesn't need much emotional support from others who is pretty strongly independent, pretty self-directed. The downside to that is, is twofold. One, you may not reach out like Deepak's describing and miss opportunities to really grow by finding mentors or other people. The other potential downside is that you may, because you don't have much of a need for emotional support, you might underestimate how much other people actually need so keeping that in the forefront of your awareness. Maybe not the forefront, but definitely being conscious of it and making those reach outs. That's huge, man.
0: Yeah. And I've been trying to do that fairly actively and and all that. So it's it's an it's an ongoing process because I am like my natural instinct is to be averse and not uh, reach out for
1: those type of mentors be and all that. Yeah, I would try to avoid yeah. our whole like lives that. in our head uh, vacillate between uh, craving for what I want and aversion for what I don't want yes and if we can start embracing the whole it's yeah. way better
0: and because and and also you know most of my life if I if I truly look up to somebody and I truly uh, like uh, uh, you know and they inspire me uh, I'll take things from them and I will model my behavior and what I do based off of them without them even, doing uh, active
1: mentorship with me. It'd be interesting, to you acknowledge those people?
0: You know, I haven't ever gone back and actually told them that, but you know, There's a great example of the not providing
1: the emotional support to them that you could.
0: Yeah, that I could, yeah. You know, uh, Luis Garcia is a good example. We used to live together and and everything in Brazil. I got a lot of stuff that I've I've seen how he treated others and, and people that worked under him. I saw how he treated me. And I didn't need maybe for him to sit down and coach me, but I like took note and, and copied a lot of his behavior like a chameleon almost, you know? And, uh, and you're one of those people. I, I've seen John Phelps and, and, you know, and my dad and my mom and some other people where I've, you know, without actually sitting down and asking for a mentorship or even having, you know, bi-monthly meetings or anything like that, um, I've just observed them. Observe them very keenly and taking note of the things that they've done and said and how they've treated people and how they've dealt with different things. And then like copied them, you know, exactly how they would have done something. I get the
1: sense that maybe so. you're going to go back and start telling them. Yeah. I would. Yeah. actually this is probably a good time to do that. Right? I think it's, it is too. So holidays. why don't, why don't we wrap up and I want to make a few uh. closing remarks. So when you're using this tool, focus on the strengths, definitely, see how those strengths could be overused. Ask the person as, as you look at the, the definitions of the scales, how that might hold them back, how that might hold them back or harm them and others in specific situations that are work-related. We were kind of doing more of a broad overview today, but this tool starts really takes a lot of the difficulty, a lot of the sting out of difficult conversations. Obviously, Deepak is a very high-performing individual and has been consistently so for years. But even today, this emotional support thing may not seem like some big deal, some big emotional deal, but there's opportunities that he's maybe missed to grow even further, to solidify relationships that could have helped him and others, and also for affirming and letting people know how much they've meant in his life. And I think those are awesome opportunities to explore now and to get past the aversion Mm -hmm. and actually embrace that and turn that into yet another strength. So that's a wrap. Awesome. Thank you, Rick. (laughs) Appreciate it. At Behavioral Essentials, we intend to help a lot of people. And today we hope we helped you. So join us for our next session. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and visit our website at BehavioralEssentials.com. Thanks for listening.